Your insurance needs are as unique as the work you do and the industry you're in. Having the right protection in place is just the start. There's so much you can do to mitigate risks to your business for today and as you grow. At Sovereign Insurance, we're here to help with valuable information, insights, tips, and tools to help you protect your operations. Visit SovereignInsurance.ca to learn more. Surface for Business devices are designed for work anywhere. Wherever and however you or your teams work or collaborate, Surface gives your organization the freedom to work anywhere. It allows you to retain the control you need to stay secure with built-in security at every layer through chip to cloud protection from Microsoft. Visit www.aka.ms forward slash Surface for Business CA to learn more about Surface for Business devices. As a small business owner, you are the business, and you know the time you're spending on payroll and HR could be spent in a hundred better ways. Ceridian PowerPay is fast, simple, and intuitive software trusted by over 40,000 Canadian small business owners like you. Automate your HR and payroll processes, keep track of compliance, and pay your people from your desktop or mobile phone. Free up time to focus on what really matters when it comes to your business, and get back to doing what you love with Ceridian PowerPay. Welcome to the Startup Canada podcast, a weekly show serving Canada's entrepreneurship community. I'm your host, Rick Spence, business journalist, editor, public speaker, and entrepreneur. After 15 years as the national entrepreneurship columnist at the National Post, and as the former editor and publisher of Profit, the magazine for Canadian entrepreneurs, I've learned what makes Canadian startups special, scalable, and successful. On this show, we connect you with Canada's most innovative and entrepreneurial leaders and changemakers. You'll meet the people driving the entrepreneurial movement and we'll share their first-person adventures and their tips, hacks, and best advice for running startup and growth companies. The Startup Canada podcast is a production of Startup Canada, the national rallying community for Canada's 3.5 million entrepreneurs. Don't forget to subscribe to the show on iTunes, SoundCloud, Spotify, Stitcher, and anywhere else you listen to your podcasts. To entrepreneurs everywhere, this is your show. Ladies and gentlemen, entrepreneurs from coast to coast to coast, welcome to the Startup Canada podcast. On the show today, we're thrilled to have Jennifer Sloan, Vice President of Public Policy for MasterCard Canada. Despite lots of recent progress, women entrepreneurs still face many unique barriers. We can all do our part to empower women entrepreneurs and promote healthy diversity and inclusion practices in Canada's startup landscapes. We're going to explore all that today with Jennifer Sloan. She has extensive experience in government, media, and public relations, besides working for Target Canada and Vale Limited, formerly Inco. She's worked with some of Canada's leading government and political figures, and she's represented Canada as head of political and economic relations and public affairs at the Canadian Consulate in New York. As Vice President of Public Policy now at MasterCard Canada, Jennifer leads the company's public affairs and government relations programs. She's also the Vice Chair of the Canadian American Business Council and the first independent chair of the Board of Music Canada which administers the Gold and Platinum Record Awards program for Canada's best-selling recordings. Jennifer, welcome to the show. Thanks, Rick. Thrilled to be here. I got to ask, do you sing or play an instrument? Neither. 
<laughs> Although, you know, if when they ask you the question, could you, what would you like to be if you could be anything for a day? Most people think I would, you know, kind of skew towards politics. But uh, I would love to be on stage singing in front of an audience. And why is that? Because I have zero talent. I mean, zero, zero. So, uh, so yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You have other talents, of course, which I'm sure the recording industry uh, uh, appreciates. Just before we get started, and we're going to do a lot to discuss uh, women entrepreneurship and what can be done to promote that and clear away some of those barriers, I just want to make sure that people know what uh, they're going to get. So what do you think are the, the one or two most important things that you'd like our audience members, you know, true entrepreneurs, to take away from our conversation today? Yeah, Rick, you know, I'm going to start with, with a pandemic answer, you know, at a, at a micro level, don't lose hope. Uh, that That's probably hard to hear for people in the sectors that have been hardest hit by the pandemic. But there are encouraging signs and consumer spending from the data that we see at MasterCard. You know, people want to resume their lives. They want to go to a restaurant again, travel again. That will happen. And and you can see it in the spending data when jurisdictions lift restrictions. So the question becomes, are you best positioned to capitalize on that? Conversely, if, if your business has done well through the pandemic, are you positioned to continue that success in a post-pandemic world? And then the post-pandemic answer to the question is, is, you know, probably twofold. First, you're not alone. Um, access to, to mentorship programs and connecting with like-minded owners um, are means of advancing women entrepreneurs, according to our own research. Uh, with access to resources, you know, we can help women bring a positive impact to their communities and second of all, women entrepreneurs need to fight for structural changes that will level the playing field. So that's a bit of a two-fold answer there, Rick. Uh, that Three-fold, I count, but I think okay. that's great. Appreciate that. That, 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 that. That's really cool. So earlier this year, MasterCard sponsored a very successful startup chat that was titled What Women Entrepreneurs Need to Know. So based on your takeaways from that event or based on your own knowledge, what unique challenges do you think exist for women entrepreneurs in Canada? Yeah, what, what a timely question. I mean, we just released our annual global index of women entrepreneurs. And it's- You do a global index of, of global entrepreneurs? Women, women, women global on women entrepreneurs. Yeah. Just tell me about that first. That's really cool. Yeah, it, it's an annual report um, and it looks all aspects of 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 women who are entrepreneurs in, in their space. And, you know, what was interesting is that it found 80 percent of women business owners have been ne negatively impacted by the pandemic. And, you know, we're, we're seeing some other data, too. I mean, if you think of our own Canadian Federation of Independent Business, um, when they were before the House of Commons Status of Women Committee recently, they shared their data that showed the pandemic's disproportionate impact on women-owned businesses. So think about this. 63% of women uh, businesses are fully open, but that's, you know, 10% less than male-owned. And there's 35% that are fully staffed, which is 
13% less than male-owned, and then 24% back to normal sales, which is 8% of of male-owned. And so, you know, the CFIP tells us that women are are more likely to be worried about the long-term economic impacts of the pandemic. So I guess the the key question is, is why? Um, and it seems logical to suggest that the, the pandemic exasperated structural changes for women entrepreneurs. In other words, I think the pandemic did not create an unlevel playing field, but rather brought its realities into plain sight. And I think we have to take a look at that. So we, we, we believe too much of our world was designed without women in mind, Rick, and without <laughs> women involved. And that's why we take this approach to business that centers on inclusion and sustainability. And so as we look ahead to a post-pandemic world, uh, reshaping the way our, our world is constructed by bringing you know, diverse perspectives to the table can unlock that powerful, or can un- unlock powerful ideas, right? And, and the world's possibilities for women. So I think it would really be foolhardy to go ahead with the same structures that exist now and think the system will, will, will level itself off. Wow, there's a lot to unpack there. Um, let's just go back to sort of the very beginning there. You mentioned the, the CFIB numbers that show women disproportionately affected, and, and I guess your own uh, survey showed the same thing. Uh, d- my first suspicion would be that that's partly due to the sectors, uh, the sectoral choices that, that many women entrepreneurs are in, that, that the, they're, I suspect they are disproportionately in the service sector and, and, and retail and similar organizations that sort of depend on people coming together, maybe slightly more social businesses uh, than that, 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 the general average. Is, is that close to the reasons you think that, that women are being dis- disproportionately affected? It could be, Rick. But what about women having to revert back to their traditional role at uh, home or, or what was perceived to be traditional role at the home? Think about it. Kids out of school, back at home, everybody working from home, who's running the household. Um, I tend to think it's that. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, 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 I would certainly agree with that. I, I think in addition to the traditional roles, they were probably, the women in the households were probably even more likely to take over some of the uh, schooling functions, <laughs> oh, <laughs> the, yeah. the role of the vice principal yeah. uh, while, while, while school for, for those students who were studying from home. So that suggests that once we're all uh, safe and sound and back at work, whatever that looks like, and back in school, whatever that looks like, that, that um, some of that disparity might change. But I, I've certainly heard a lot of people say that, you know, the pandemic is a mirror. It really reveals ourselves to ourselves. And we see what the world really is, not what we think it is. So uh, it's probably shown us a lot of things that need to change. Yeah. I, I totally agree. And, you know, as they say, why waste a crisis? So, um, you know, we, we this lends itself uh, to, to, to thinking that the same structures that we have in place are, are suitable and adequate. We've got to rethink that. Right. So who is we and how do we do that? Well, I, it, it's a collective we, right? I mean, it just can't be any one person. It can't be any one organization. 
um, it, it's got to be everybody and everyone's got to change, uh, change their mindset for sure. Um, but we've got to figure out first, Rick, I mean, what is the new normal? What's the new normal going to look like? Um, and until that we can game it, but, um, but I, I just think that, uh, that might be a, a heavy lift, um, without really understanding what, uh, what that short term, medium term, long term future looks like, um, as we call post pandemic. It's it it strikes me that I mean, you know, men are going to have to change too, um, because it's important that we realize that the the roles that we may imagine ourselves in um, may not be the best roles, and that we have to uh, be more flexible in terms of things like if it means making dinner once a week or some other horrible fate like that. Um, do you see any signs of that of, of the the male side? recognizing some of these systemic barriers that maybe we uh, hadn't recognized in society before? Yeah, Rick, I mean, I can speak personally, you know, seeing it with within my own household here or seeing it with, uh, you know, my brothers or, you know, my immediate circle, my immediate bubble things that, you know, perhaps um, they would not have done before, they're stepping up, um, you know, conversely, at times they're retreating, <laughs> you know, back to, whoa, I had, you know, no time for that, or, you know, this is what I have to do. So I, I don't know that you can look at this and, and you know, holistically come to a conclusion. I think so many, there are so many individual unique circumstances um, and and we're, we're not out of it yet to, to really create any generalizations or, or to have any clear understanding of has there been a shift, what is the shift and so on. Right, right. Um, I think we are in a, you know, a, a pretty new world and going forward, I think there will be a lot of... Uh, um, just major changes uh, based on, you know, the, the gaps that have been discovered in COVID. So, so what do you think are the most important questions that young women entrepreneurs should be asking themselves early in their career as they embark on, on, on startups, as they embark on building their networks uh, with other business leaders? Uh, how can they position themselves for success in this world today? Yeah, great question. Um, I, I would suggest that you've got to start with the why. You know, when when you have a higher purpose, I think you'll be able to succeed in your retrospective or your respective, sorry, respective field. You've got to ask yourself how this aligns with your core values and, and beliefs uh, to continue to drive your business forward. You really have to believe in yourself and, and what you're trying to do. I think you've also got to ask, can you tap into support, whether that's with fellow entrepreneurs or organizations like Startup Canada, there's certainly government program or, or companies like ourselves, you know, that have programs in place to help nurture uh, innovators. You know, we have a, a program called Start Path uh, uh, and it helps later stage startups actually propel and scale their businesses and and we're not alone so there are resources out there you have to know how to look for them and tap into them and as i said um you, you should always be questioning i think if you've taken advantage of these opportunities because you don't have to go at this alone for sure 
Yeah. One of the things that I've been railing about throughout my career, mostly as a journalist uh, covering the entrepreneurship space, is that need for mentors and advisors. And it's so easy when you adopt that, when you accept the premise that, yes, no one succeeds alone. And I have a right as an entrepreneur to seek out mentors and advisors. It's so easy to get help, to get perspective, to get some context, to, to get help with decision making, to get um, help with, with you know, identifying your market from other entrepreneurs or from mentors. There are so many local programs and national programs that exist to connect entrepreneurs with potential advisors and mentors. How do you how do you suggest that that that, that people that the women entrepreneurs in particular, um, how do they make that ask? How do they reach out and say, "Yeah, I I need this help." You just can't be afraid to make the ask. Um, I, I think fear holds a lot of people back, um, and so I would say to women, just just make the ask. Um, what's the worst someone can say is no. Um, and so you pick up and you go somewhere else. And again, it can't, you know, I think some of the most genuine asks, the, the, the times that I've been most responsive, or I think others have been most responsive is when you, you know, you bring your authentic self to the ask, you know, you, again, you, you don't over script, you don't try to tailor it to what you think this person necessarily believes in or, or, you know, if they disperse funds or whatever, um, I think you've got to tell your own story. Um, and I think those that do um, have success. Um, so, so seek out the opportunities and the assistance, and then just don't be afraid to make that ask. And it can be as, it, make it simple too. Um, I think sometimes we all tend to overcomplicate it. Um, you know, you might want to start small and, and as the relationship continues or you more, you understand or learn more, um, about the resource and then you can expand. Right. And one of my hobby horses is that you shouldn't think that having one advisor is, is enough. There's no reason why you can't have a different mentor or advisor for every part of your business, whether it's, uh, HR, whether it's customer engagement, whether it's marketing or social media, uh, why not get the best and put them on speed dial? Yeah, couldn't agree more. Couldn't agree more. And also, too, remember, it's you don't have to reinvent the wheel. There are best practices out there. And it's OK to uh, to follow on those best best practices. You know, um, you can waste a lot of time and energy. Um, and expense to some degree, um, trying to create something that already exists that you can leverage. From a principle and philosophy perspective, Jennifer, how should an organization's leadership team navigate the disparities that exist for women in business? Uh, great, great question, Rick. I, I think, you know, in many ways, women in the workplace have come a long way. There's, you know, an increasing commitment to gender diversity. There's more efforts to get women on boards. And, and we're seeing gender pay reporting gaming, gaming ground. Um, yet I, I would argue that progress can be slow um, and is slow. Um, you know, I use the example like you can't give great performance reviews and then not promote women. 
You, you can't offer training programs for women, development programs, and then not have any of them lead to concrete step changes within your organization. I, I believe organizations need to create space for women. They need to listen. They cr create the space to listen and then in turn act. You know, I go back to performance. Look, organizations need to review how they define and reward good leadership. And let me give you an example. Like, so if your organization's definition of a good leader is more heavily weighted towards the traditional uh, masculine attributes, for example, you know, vaulting competition over collaboration, you know, if the answer is yes, I, you've, you've just got to change. You know, I, I read a great article um, in Forbes recently, Rick, and, and it said exactly what I've just said. But it went on to say something that, like, I totally subscribe to. It talked about organizations have developed leadership programs and training initiatives for women. That's great. But there's nothing similar for men. So what message are we giving to women in the workplace? Are, are we giving everyone the impression that men are all fine and, and women need extra help? So, you know, we got to think about that's an awful message. I think you can agree. I, I think yeah, I think we you know, so I think we've organizations, you know, just fundamentally have to offer development gender-based programs that highlight the value of both the masculine and the feminine qualities, um, not one over the other. Um, and this mindset simply needs to shift, but I, I'm not gonna sit here and pretend it's simple. It's hard, um, but it's necessary. Right. I mean, w uh, again, another of my concerns in business has been the total overlooking of soft skills. I mean, even the name soft skills suggests there's something fuzzy and not important about them. But they are the skills, the, the, the leadership and empathy and listening and training and motivating. Those are the things that make a business or any team successful. And yet we minimize them. Uh, you know, they're not qualifications. They're not certifications. So, so, so you, they, they, they don't necessarily show up on a resume or in your experience, and uh, and and they're totally overlooked in in most organizations. Right, because they're hard to measure, right? Yeah, but but the funny thing is, you know, you, I mean, as people, we always know it when we see it. We know who the people are who make us feel good, who make us feel better about ourselves, who make us feel safe. And yet, yeah, it doesn't get measured. Yeah, 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 yeah. I hear you. It's crazy. I have to tell you about an experience I had years ago um, when I was sort of first starting out in the newspaper business and I, and I had an editor position. So I was considered part of management at a fairly young age and I got sent to a management training uh, course for the whole corporation. So lots of people from all across Canada. We all met at a hotel and we had taken some sort of personality test or something beforehand. And it divided us into four groups based on aggression, essentially, aggressiveness. And I managed to be in in the top group the, with, the, with the other drivers. We were called drivers. And we were told early on, okay, you're breaking into the four groups and they're based on these characteristics. And I never saw a group. A, I was never part of the in crowd before, so it was fun to be with the drivers. <laughs> but 
we immediately saw that these groups started behaving as you'd expect them to do. So we were the wolves and there were the sheep and there were whoever the sheep bully were in the third group and whoever get bullied by the group that gets bullied by sheep was in the fourth group. And it was, it, and it was just a, a, a garbage fire <laughs> of management training because this, this particular course seemed to think that what mattered most was pushiness. Yeah. Were there, were there any women in your group? Oh, there were. Sure, sure, sure there were. But um, probably not as many as there would be today. <laughs> and which is why, um, you know, I totally agree with what you said earlier, which is that the, that the world w was not made by, 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 by women. And uh, we desperately need them to, to remake it in a way that is much more fair and inclusive and empathetic, to use one of the words that I've learned is so important that I, you know, never thought I was when I was just a driver. Yeah, yeah, interesting. There are barriers uh, to, to to women in business, um, but hopefully there are also opportunities. Do you, do you see real opportunities for women to lead in entrepreneurship and in corporate business as well? Yeah, uh, w yeah, without a doubt, without without a, a doubt. I mean, first of all, let's be clear, right? Female leadership matters. Point finale. Um, but I think uh, women in leadership roles really create the diversity of thought, which, you know, which was probably a bit absent when you guys broke into your individual groups. <laughs> diversity of thought. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, you know, that that's a real, um, you know, great thing that that women leaders bring to teams and to organizations. I mean, you know, also we create. Um, more women-friendly cultures, um, and that in and of itself is good, if not great, right? Um, but we women, um, when we find ourselves in leadership roles, really find ourselves constantly breaking down barriers, not just for ourselves or women, but, but for all, um, and, and not just simply for the ones that are going to follow us, but the ones that are around us in the moment. And, um, you know, this may go back to something we discussed a lot earlier, but, um, you know, I think women leaders provide workplace flexibility because we, we truly understand the necessity for that work-life balance, you know, and ultimately, it, talking about measurement, I mean, we drive for results just as much as men, but we do it in a collaborative, sustained manner, kind of most, if not all of the time. And I think that can be a differentiator. Um, look, Rick, I, I could go on for hours and hours answering this question, but, but you know, my, my bottom line is, is I guess, female uh, leadership matters for all organizations to get from, from good to great. I, I I totally agree. I think that's uh, very true. And I'm and talking just about the flexibility of the workplace and making it more human. Um, that's something that we always thought was sort of impossible. I mean, there was a time in Canadian business, believe it or not, when people thought that you had to be at your desk for eight hours a day and entirely free and independent of whoever you were as a human being. As at home and just totally be present 
for eight uninterrupted hours a day. And that time was like six months ago. And COVID has helped us realize that, hey, business can be a lot more flexible than that. And we, we, we had a failure of leadership, I guess, a failure of vision that said, you know, we couldn't somehow help people bring all of their themselves to work. And they didn't have to be at work at the office or the workplace to do that. Yep. It's, it's, it, 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 it just shows that uh, we can change, as you said, uh, a crisis can be a good thing and <laughs> we can't yep. afford to waste it. Yep. Why waste the crisis? Yeah. One of the things that we're hearing a lot about, and you mentioned as well, is just, you know, diversity of thought and diversity of teams. Um, there are, it's, it, it's still well known that so many boards, so many senior lead, leadership teams have very few uh, women and of course, even fewer people of, 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 of color or, um, other groups that should be represented because they represent the human experience. Um, do you see diversity being something that it can be a strategic advantage to companies, whether it's in operations or in the boardroom? Yeah. Oh, for sure. For sure. Without a doubt. But, but I, I'm going to stretch you a little bit on, on your comment there. And you know what, when I think of my own organization, MasterCard, you know, diversity inclusion is a lot uh, more than just bringing people together with different backgrounds. And I think that's the traditional, call it definition. And I think that's what you were just saying moments ago. But I, I think diversity inclusion is about an understanding that we you know, when we create meaningful connections, when we inspire acceptance and cultivate a culture where we all belong, we're we're a better team, right? One that makes better decisions, we drive more innovation, we deliver better business results. So I just come at it a little differently. Um, and I think that's also because that's the way we look at it at MasterCard. And, and it's not just, it's just not the right thing to do. It just makes business sense. You know, um, somebody showed me a, a McKinsey study that found diverse companies outperform non-diverse companies by 35%. And again, that diversity is just not along gender lines or ethnic lines. It goes back, I keep coming back to that, that diversity of thought. But, you know, diversity helps businesses in, in so many areas. Uh, I mentioned innovative thinking. You can show the stats that it, it grows sales. Um, it expands into different markets. It increases your workforce productivity. It builds on your brand value and reputation. I mean, these aren't just things that I'm dreaming up. This, this is what studies tell us. And so I, I think it's an applicable for as much for MasterCard as an established multinational company as it is for, for, for startups. And, and I, I, I appreciate uh, the, 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 you're expanding my mind a little bit on this. Um, I, 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 I buy everything that you're saying here. But the fact remains that a lot of organizations don't seem to be getting this message. They don't seem to see the advantage. And, and I guess one of the reasons I say that is that I just saw a thing from NASDAQ the other day uh, that, that 
the, the U.S. over-the-counter stock market, that says it will require boards of listed companies to have at least one woman and at least one director who self-identifies as an, as an underrepresented minority on their boards, that in the year 2020, almost 2021, they are still requiring quotas. So someone's not getting it. Yeah, well, as I said at, at the at the onset, it's 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 slow moving, um, for sure, um, without a doubt. But you know, like, but but it is evolving, Rick, and I don't think we can deny that. So you know, think about a company in what you know the 1950s um, to today. So in the 50s, um, you had a, a decent chance of striking gold and owning the only business selling a particular good or service in your area if you were a startup then, right? Which was mm -hmm. probably quite um, culturally homogeneous. I think that's fair to say. But but when, when you're in today's environment, you have to navigate an ever more complex regulatory process just to get open. You, you have to access uh, your, you know, your local and, or, or assess, sorry, I should say assess, you know, your local and international competition um, because of online commerce. Uh, you need to consider both your traditional and your non-traditional marketing, like social media. And, and in many parts of the country, you're dealing with an incredibly diverse populations from whom there is no one size fits all approach. And that's just the tip of the iceberg. So you have to tackle this and you can't tackle it without a diverse team. At least I wouldn't want to do it. And the great thing is that as hard as it may be to, you know, reorganize one's thinking and one's organization around this principle, uh, the goal is worth it because you will get these better decisions, a better understanding of the market, a lot more innovation. Yeah. How can entrepreneurs know, Jennifer, when they, 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 they need to increase team diversity? Yeah, Rick, I think that goes back to my, you know, my my 1950s versus today example. <clears throat> I think you've got to start asking yourself and, and answering honestly, do I know enough about social media to compete in the space? If my target community is 50% more of a demographic that doesn't look like me, do I understand what they want? Or who who are my customers? Do they all look and sound the same? You simply have to surround yourself with people who don't look like you, talk like you, or, or share the same experience as you. You'll see new ideas, and that'll spark and innovate you and your business. So if everyone looks the same and thinks the same, I think it's a clear indication that you need to increase your diversity. One of the things that I've noticed is that uh, so many entrepreneurs representing um, different groups, such as people of color, um, the, they're starting businesses that pertain directly to their marketplace. And some of them are doing very well with uh, thinking of a company that, that, that makes hair care products for black hair, because you can't tend to buy that at, 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 at Shoppers Drug Mart that, um, because it's made for, the I guess, the dominant pop population segment. Um, so part of diversity is that companies, big companies, won't miss opportunities like these again and leave it to the entrepreneurs to exploit. Yep, I, I think that's fair. But I think we're creating space. And I think we're 
we're creating more awareness. Um, and, uh, you know, we're, we're all thinking kind of beyond our normal tunnel <laughs> um, and understanding that the marketplace as we knew it before was uh, undersubscribed or unfulfilled. And these are niches that needed to, to, to come to the forefront to be filled. Right. And it, uh, and, so many entrepreneurs are are struggling to do that and or some existing organizations could probably do it easier maybe just as well if they were listening to those voices in the first place yep i think i can agree with that right what are some resources that you think entrepreneurs looking to improve diversity hiring uh could could could, could try and tap into yeah, that that's a timely question, uh, and I think with the with the recent and and long overdue calls to action on on the r racial justice front, um, as well as the importance of, you know, diversity, equity, inclusion in society and in business, there's no shortage of of resources. You know, Startup Canada is a phenomenal resource. You know, I've mentioned the CFIB before, the Canadian Federation of Independent Business, or or CEO comes to mind. Um, however, you know, in the spirit of startups supporting startups, um, you know, I wanted to talk a little bit about a, an entrepreneur who recently uh, blew me away in this space. <laughs> in, in late November, I, I had the privilege to judge a series of pitches aligned to the Sustainable Development Goals, the SDGs, and this was organized by, by Startup Canada. Have you heard about the SDGs? Oh, Brent? yeah. Uh, yeah. Okay. 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 So the winner in the decent work stream was Ravina Anon, and she's the founder of uh, Flick, um, capital F, capital L, capital I, capital K, and it's a female laboratory of innovative knowledge. So Flick connects female founders, leaders, uh, to verified driven women for three-month volunteer-based apprenticeships. Like, how cool is that? And it's just a simply a fantastic way to help women gain valuable work experience and advance the culture of, of entrepreneurship in, in Canada. So, you know, there are these resources out, out there. And the startups are creating the resources, which I find so invigorating and exciting. Right. I'll just encourage people to go on the web, look at weareflick.com, F-L-I-K, weareflick.com, uh, to, to look and see if they can connect into any of the things that they're doing. Because, yeah, they're doing some some incredible things. Yeah, and, and, and specific to our topic of today, right? W women entrepreneurs. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I once made the mistake uh, of, of saying, well, men need this help too. And, and of course, I realized later that, no, you don't say things like that, Rick. Um, but Men should be looking into this as well. I mean, men are just as afraid to ask for help, uh, possibly more so, um, to, to, to reach out and to admit that they don't know something. So uh, presumably we have uh, an audience composed of fairly equal gender balance here. And I hope that, every, that, 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 that we're all taking away that there are new ways of doing business, new ways of connecting with people. And, uh, and, 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 and they make us more human. So for that reason alone... <laughs> We should pursue them. Yeah. Yeah. And, and my don't be afraid to ask wasn't just for women entrepreneurs out there. I think you've right. uh, hit the nail on the head. And men need to know that they 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 can ask and they should ask. Yeah. Um, I, I've 
I'm, I'm, I've always been blown away by the power of women entrepreneurs. Um, what should we be telling young girls to encourage them to see themselves as entrepreneurs taking their career into their own hands? You know, I guess in any walk of life, people want to see themselves reflected. Um, and there were some, you know, interesting findings. I, I go back again to our, our just released uh, 2020 um, MasterCard Index of Women Entrepreneurs. You know, for example, some of our strongest leaders during the pandemic have been females. If you think of New Zealand and Germany and Sweden, and we finally have our, our first, you know, female minister of finance in Canada. We have the first female uh vice president elect in the United States. Um, and so I believe, you know, a first step is is promoting these success stories. We have to talk about them. And, and that should include those from, from the business world. Um, when females are, are in the most important positions in their country, that shows that gender should not block anyone from pursuing their dreams. And, and I'm not the first person to say that, and I won't be the last, but, but you know, more fundamentally, the best kind of freedom is being your own boss. Um, and if you don't like the existing workplace structures or attitudes that you find yourself in, that you're immersed in, being a successful entrepreneur really puts you in charge and, and sets the rules. So th I think those are some some messages I would share with uh, with young girls um, who are thinking of being entrepreneurs, or certainly um, my way of encouraging them to think about being entrepreneurs. Right. I, I, I love what you just said. The best kind of freedom is being your own boss. And I totally believe that. And the freedom to make a change in your community as an entrepreneur, because I believe almost all entrepreneurs are social entrepreneurs. And when they find a new solution for their communities and, and they have this successful business, they are changing other people's lives and, and, and creating a platform of change. And I think that's something that uh, uh, young people today are, are really interested in. Alignment, Rick, 100% alignment here. <laughs> all right. Uh, Finally, as, as, as we head out of here, and we've had a, a great discussion, and it's really important to remind entrepreneurs, particularly women entrepreneurs, that they're not alone. So many ways to reach out, build diverse teams, get more ideas in, become more innovative, scoop the competition every single time. Um, what do you think is the most actionable piece of advice that we could leave people with uh, today that they could implement right away in their business? I'm going to give two pieces of advice. I'm going to end where I started. I thought I gave, you know, kind of made two points up front. You said three, uh, <laughs> but but I'm I'm going to hold myself to 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 two okay. here. I think it's important um, to know that you're not alone. Reach out, reach out to other entrepreneurs, explore opportunities through government or companies. You know, even companies like mine, Mastercard. There, there just are a ton of resources out there. And second, we've talked a lot about it this afternoon, um, is embrace diversity, particularly in our country. Um, I, I, I'm not quoting the prime minister uh, for partisan reasons here, but, but there's a lot of truth and adage in, in his comment that, quote, diversity is our strength. He says that often, and, and I subscribe to that. 
And I think it's an important message um, for for entrepreneurs um, out there. Canada's welcome people from all over the world, and those people can help you take your business almost anywhere. Fantastic. What a great way to end it. Thank you so much, Jennifer Sloan, Vice President of Public Policy for MasterCard. Thank you to MasterCard Canada for their support of Startup Canada. Uh, We really appreciate uh, our our long-term relationship that we have with you. And uh, I look forward to talking to you again, Jennifer, once once we're past all this epidemic stuff and we can see just how the world is shaking out, because I think it's going to be a better place. Rick, it was uh, it was a real joy to talk to you. And yes, let's do it again soon. All right. Thanks so much, Jennifer. Take care. Cheers. Thank you for joining us this week in the Startup Canada podcast, a weekly show dedicated to unlocking the potential of every entrepreneur. Stay tuned another minute to hear the latest startup community news and the upcoming events lineup, including our hashtag Startup Chats on Twitter every Wednesday and Friday at 12 noon Eastern Time. I sometimes show up there too. Until next week, I'm your Startup Canada podcast host, Rick Spence.